Well, we've got a, a panel interview. Actually, I'm on it. Andrew is going to be coming here in a minute. And uh, if I have Ken, uh, we're going to come up. And we just want to open a discussion about with Father's Day about uh, being fathers uh, in the realm of living for God and, and leading your children. So uh, Andrew, we'll hand him a microphone. Let's give a hand to Andrew. <laughs> Well, how's everybody doing this morning? All right, well, we got uh, my Uncle CJ right here. I'm Andrew, by the way. And uh, this is my Uncle CJ. This is Ken Ferguson. And he's g Ken has got six kids. And let me see if I can get the ages and names right. Okay, we got Branson, 19. Uh, Chelsea, 18. Sabriana, 15. Uh, Janae, 13. Janae, 13. Uh, Shania, 12. <coughs> Almost 12. And you got Devin, <sighs> 11. <laughs> 10. <laughs> All right. All right. We got my Uncle CJ here. He's got Lily and Caleb and Colton, which are twins, and they just turned nine on the 16th. And Lily is four? Four. So, um, Anyways, so these are our two fathers this morning, and I want to start with you, Uncle CJ. All right, so what is the most embarrassing thing that one of your kids has done uh, that's appropriate? <laughs> well, um, we were uh, at a minister's convention, and uh, I wouldn't know I wouldn't know if it would say embarrassing because they were just being truthful, but... We, uh, the hotel we were staying at was pretty decent, but when we came out of our hotel room, next to us came out um, uh, a certain lady who was uh, of a certain profession and uh, made us realize that's probably not the hotel we, we wanted to stay at the next time. And she was s smoking, and before uh, we knew it, one of our boys walked over and looked up at her and said, you know, that's going to make your lungs black. You shouldn't smoke. And we were, we were, ready, to, we were ready to get her right out of there, but <laughs> get, get him right out of there because... Uh, it was just one of those moments where kids' honesty, but maybe just not the best timing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ken, what is the most embarrassing? You got six choices here, so uh, um, can you top that one? Um, well, I won't name any names. I'll just let you speculate or assume. Um, And this was some time ago, so it wasn't like today. I don't want you to think at th this person's current age they would have done this necessarily. But one, one time, uh, one of our children uh, at a younger age uh, had come out of the shower, and they had gone to their room, and we heard some singing in the bedroom. And uh, this person was dancing. Um, don't look around, Devin. And, and <laughs> well, he was still all natural. <laughs> and, well, I got two boys, so it could have been either one. It could have been either one. I'm not picking. I'm not saying. And he was singing a song, something about, I got a ticket. <laughs> and, and he was really jiving, and that was kind of embarrassing and funny all at the same time. 
All right, so I'll start with you again, Ken, or I'll start with you this time. Uh, what's the sneakiest thing that one of <laughs> that one of your kids has done? Again, not naming any names, <laughs> but some people are just more of a target than others. Um, well, one of these one of these children uh, love love candy, and and trying to be sneaky. Uh, you know, they not supposed to have candy in their bedrooms, right? So, uh, and he would been, oh, I said he again. Look at there. I still got two boys. Uh, still could have been either one. Could have been either one. And talking about sneaky, and he hadn't had any. He tells us, we, I haven't had any. And he since repented. But, but we walked over and, and, and looked in the, the air conditioner vent that's in the floor, and and I pulled that vent up, and there's probably six bags of candy wrappers down in that in that vent, and he thought he was being sneaky, uh, hiding all those candy wrappers down in the bottom. So that's that's a sneaky time. Uncle CJ, here you go. Oh, you got a microphone. Yeah. Well, this one was a little more difficult because they're so frequent that uh, it's uh, hard to pick one. Um, Actually, I, I thought I'd tell one on on uh, Lily last uh, last evening we went had a birthday party for our boys and we we're at a arcade and she had met this little boy that was older than her that she wanted to play games with. Well, he got tired of that and was trying to ditch her. And so I I didn't know all that was going on. So I saw her and she was walking off away from uh, Jennifer. And so we always stay with her, especially it was kind of darker in there. And so I'm following her and and she kept zigzagging on things. She's trying to find a game and. And it, it took a while for me to figure out she was trying to ditch me. And <laughs> she wouldn't tell me. But finally, when I figured out the whole story that there's another little boy, he had told her, hey, would you quit following me? And so she had picked up on that and figured, well, if I'm going to show him, i got to ditch my dad. And, uh, but she came right out and told Jen, quit following me. So <laughs> all right, so we're going to move to a serious note now. So um, we're all proud of our, our kids, even though I don't have any kids. But I know my parents are very proud of me. I don't know. There they are back there. So, uh, oh. <laughs> love you, Mom and Dad. Love you. All right, so what is something that, um, a story that you guys know of that has made, your ki- made you very proud of your kids, uh, um, something that was extraordinary? I'll let you go. Well, I, I just very quickly, so I can cover each of the kids. They've all done things that have made me very proud. Um, Recently, uh, we had my uh, sister-in-law, my wife's sister, and her triplets and their other little boy. They had four kids and our kids, and it was hectic. There was a lot going on that week. I can't remember what all was happening, but it was just the timing. We had a bunch going on, and I was barely coming and going, and Jen was trying to entertain guests and do all that. And uh, Early one morning, we heard some stirring and pots and pans and all this stuff going on in the kitchen and assumed her sister got up and was trying to get breakfast ready for all the kids. And then pretty soon I heard her sister talking in the back room, went in, and Caleb was in Dad's chair uh, with his blanket. He'd been up, table was all set, everything was ready for everybody, and just uh, that that made me proud. And so later that day I gave him a little compass and asked him to figure out why I gave that to him and uh, uh, later told him it's because uh, everyone follows a person with a compass, and that's what a leader does is they... They uh, sacrifice, they get up early, they're the ones that lead everybody. And so uh, that, um, Colton has numerous times uh, 
told people about Jesus um, just very openly, and, and all of them have, but made me very proud um, in that way. And, and Lily is, if you tell her something hurts, she'll be quite over there right away, pray for you. The other night, I mentioned something about my legs being sore from working out, and next thing I know, she got an ice pack out of the freezer and brought it over to me. So they, they make me proud often. Hey Amen. I'm a, I'm probably won't go through the whole line because we'd be here too long. Uh, and I'm, I'm truly proud of of all my kids and and so grateful uh, to have an opportunity to be to be their dad. And probably most recently, I'll pick on Branson's because he's not here. Uh, but uh, he just graduated Bible College uh, at, at Victory Bible College in Tulsa. And uh, as we're sitting there, you know, sometimes as a parent, you hope, you 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 pray, you 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 desire for your child to be fully in- engaged with Christ and to be fully uh, on fire and on board, uh, not because mom and dad are, or or other people in the family, but because they personally uh, have had an experience and encounter with Jesus Christ. And as we sat there at his graduation ceremony, he sat. He was, uh, there's about three, 4,000 people there, and uh, he was uh, actually the, the drummer for the night uh, at his own graduation uh, service. And as he, as he played and worshipped in that time, just the fire and the, the excitement and the maturity that has, has come at this time in his life has truly overwhelmed me. And I just sat there and started to weep to know he got it all the years, whether it was hard, whether it was easy, uh, whether we thought, man, are we, are we doing right? Are we, uh, at that moment, I was truly proud to know that he is sold out uh, on fire and, worship and, and worshiping his creator with all he has. And uh, I'm truly proud. All right, so um, what this is going to go back to not such a serious note, but then we'll finish it up with a serious note. But um, what is a when? Well, your kids are still kind of small, but um, what is a memory that you have? Um, the best memory you have from when your kids were small. Um, one of my one of my best memories, and I it's going to sound funny. I think we shared this recently uh, with some of you anyway, but. Uh, when Jen and I were trying to, we're doing Dave Ramsey, and we were uh, working every odd job that we could, and she was cleaning office buildings at night, and I was working another job, and we'd switch off with the kids, and I was just wiped out, completely exhausted, and supposed to be doing the dad thing, and the boys were real little, but they're able, they're mobile, you know, I don't even know if they were talking then, but they're mobile, and uh, Jennifer came home to find this really bad smell in the house and smoke, and I was just zonked out on the couch. And the boys had decided to take their little metal lunchbox and microwave it. And it nearly caught on fire. It nearly caught on fire. And it uh, could have been really bad, but that was one of the funniest memories. And, you know, having twins as our first, we didn't know the difference. But, you know, I see these videos where dads are chasing the twins. And it truly can be crazy at times. So, Well, I was thinking about that last night. So I made a couple of notes just to re- reflect. And, and this really, this is really f- a best memory would be for all uh, all six of of my kids, 
and and I won't linger on long because I won't be able to contain it. But just because they're getting older, you know, and 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 time goes and flies. But the the times when they would sit on my lap and just snuggle, that's probably my favorite memory uh, out of all six. All right, and last question. Um, so what is a spiritual experience that you've seen through your kids that they've um, God has worked through them or that um, God has worked into them, What something that you can see God in them? I'll let you go first, Ken. Um, as we've ministered and gone around to different churches that with New Beginnings and Ferguson Family Ministries over, over our time, you know, a lot of our, of what we've we've tried to to share is, and, and to uh, encourage people is, your ministry begins at home. Uh, your G, your 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 journey with Jesus begins at at home, not even here. It it should begin at home, and so my from a spiritual side, uh, being able to to lead our children to Christ, uh, and to also um, our our four youngest to be able to baptize all of them. Uh, personally, was uh, truly an experience I'll never forget. All right, Uncle Sam, you have some questions. Well, um, this uh, the year before last, we go we go every year to a, what they call district council. It's in Arkansas for all the Assembly of God Arkansas ministers. They have kids council there, and I'm so excited. Some, some this time before last, that one of our boys was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking tongues and. We've seen, you know, we've seen God work in them. We've seen them pray for needs of people and it be answered. Um, Mama and Papa uh, love when they pray for them because they know that God truly uh, hears those prayers of the children. So um, that's been the most exciting thing is watching the kids grow in their knowledge of the word and, and how God works and that um, they are building relationships. And, and probably the thing that really touched me most is that, um, you know, as grownups, we always struggle with how much we have time to spend in God's word. And I can tell you, these kids, every night, we're trying to get them to shut their light off, not because they're playing with toys, not because they're wanting to run around the house, but because they're reading their Bible. There's times I've gone in, and, and uh, those adventure Bibles are great because it's like the Bible with comic <laughs> comics. But they've got, sometimes I've had to catch them, they've got their flashlight on at night, you know, reading through their Bible. And that's, that's a good thing to catch them doing. All right, well, let's give these two a hand. We had originally planned to have our dads as well, Ken's dad and my dad. He is Ken's dad is going to be part of the second service, but my dad having the hip replacement, uh, he has not been well enough to that we wanted to ask him to do something like that to sit even that long. Uh, what we what we've uh, got next is we I told you we have a testimony that's never been heard before. This is the first time this will be shared, and uh, excited uh, for this time. And uh, say, Brianna, would you come up here? And I want to just preface this testimony with uh, we have something following this testimony that that even though this is Father's Day what better day for us to celebrate an adoption and uh, there is an adoption that has taken place in our church body this week and we're going to celebrate that and uh, Sabriana is going to give her testimony and uh, then we'll follow with the adoption ceremony okay Okay, so I had been asked to give a testimony of what it meant to me to be adopted and to be honest, I wasn't sure really what to say. I kind of, I try to make it all perfect, but there's no such thing as perfect. And this is pretty much all I have. Um, 
Well, when I was eight years old and from back in the past, I had grew up in a very abused home with a mother who was a drug addict and it was really hard because I had three younger brothers and sisters who were still young. I just kind of had to step up to the plate and be mother and grow up really fast. And uh, later on, um, my two younger, two younger brothers and sister got burned and they were in the children's hospital for I don't know how long. It was just really long and it was just me and Janae. And we pretty much just had to survive and just love on each other and just keep each other company. And it was really hard, I have to admit. I was down and just broken because of what happened in the past and I just couldn't move on. Well, fast forward a little bit. Um, we got put into two foster care homes. Um, none of them took us in. We were, they didn't really want to adopt four kids because it's really hard to have a family to adopt us. And finally, our third home, to be honest, I was really giving up hope. And it was my lovely mom and dad who uh, took me in, who sacrificed so much for me that I could never repay that back. They sacrificed a normal life to live an extraordinary life. They had to go through crazy adventures with us. And I love them for that. And being adopted made me happy. I'd never been happier in my life. I smiled more. Um, they taught me to love God. They taught me to spread God's word to other people. They've taught me to love other kids who used to be in my spot. And I just don't really know what else to say besides that being adopted is the most wonderful thing that could ever happen in my life. That it saved me from a pit of fire that was burning underneath my fear. And I thank God for that. I thank my parents for that. And I thank people who love me enough to show me the way I should go. Well, it's certainly an honor, Sabrana, for you to share, and uh, appreciate your uh, being willing to share that to encourage others. I'm uh, I'm really excited to to bring the neighbors up here, Danny and Frankie and Jordan neighbors. We have seen these three together for some time, and has uh, just been a part of our family and. Uh, when they told us that they were officially adopting Jordan, we were we were overjoyed and really excited. Um, there's there's not much there's not much greater love that can be shown than that in adoption. And here in a, in a while, when I get into the message, you're going to understand that we as believers we we must identify with adoption or or we don't get it. We don't get it. Um, but the neighbors have been very instrumental in our ministry, whether they know it or not. Um, I tease about Danny being my heckler. He's been on the road a lot, not been able to be here as much, but, you know, sat up front. But his smile, the same smile that would, would encourage me on in my messages, uh, the, just the love that we knew that they had for us unconditionally was, was incredible and has kept us going. And then we've seen um, there are some guys here today that because Danny was sharing that same love with people at work, said, hey, we'd like to start coming uh, to that church, and we've had uh, many people come because of their testimony. Um, 
But this morning, I truly want to treat this as a ceremony because it is a celebration and a ceremony. And from time to time, we'll have baby dedications because in that situation, we're not creating the relationship between the Lord and that baby. We're more of us as a church family and the parents committing to raise that child uh, to, to know the Lord, to do everything we can to show them that way. And, and this and the same thing in adoption, we are also challenged to do the same thing. So, dear friends, we are assembled here today to recognize and celebrate the beginning of a new chapter in many lives. Gathered here are people whose lives after today will be moving forward in a new direction. Gathered here are people who share a common bond of love for a special girl, Jordan. Here today are Jordan's father and mother, Danny and Frankie Neighbors, along with extended family we call little Danny and his family. And Jordan, who is the reason we are all here for this ceremony. We recognize that God is also here to bless each of the people gathered for this occasion. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that touches our lives. Lord, much like uh, the tears I shed at a baptism, Lord, at a baby dedication, this, uh, what greater love can be than that of adoption? And we're thankful that we get to share in this and uh, today on Father's Day. In Jesus' name, amen. We gather on in this in the precious name of Jesus, who is the ultimate example of adoption. A child has been entrusted to you, Danny and Frankie, and, and has been for some time. And it's because you have shown this body of believers and God, your father, that you are Jordan's parents. You haven't been named their par her parents. You have shown that you are her parents. And God has been honored through that. Through your visible love, guidance, and teaching, uh, teaching her the word of God, it's obvious to this assembly that you are indeed her parents. As this child, as this child is placed into your permanent care, your eternal care that's is done with this confidence that God will give you his grace to sustain you and inspire you, trusting that you will provide a home for her in which she will grow, which she will be loved, which she will uh, be healthy and, and have peace in her life. We pray that God will grant you, Danny and Frankie, the gifts of kindness and patience, of understanding and wisdom, in keeping with God's will and his word, so that this child may grow as a child of God. I now ask you a few uh, questions of commitment in which I want you to respond. Will you, Danny and Frankie, continue to raise Jordan in the Christian faith, teaching her the love of the Heavenly Father? And will you guide this child by your own example of good Christian faith? Now, congregation, I'm going to ask you to commit with me. This is, you've heard, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, through Bible quiz, Jordan's been with us. We've treated her like our own child, and, and that's what we want from the body of Christ. That, uh, while she will go to Danny and Frankie as her parents, but we are the body of Christ who support them and walk with them. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to say the words we do when I ask you this question. As a body of believers, we must commit to prayer, love, and partnership with Danny and Frankie as they continue to raise Jordan as their child. If you as a congregation commit to this, let's all do this by saying we do. Congregation, do you commit? Amen. Amen. This is both a sacred and joyous moment. And let's listen to the word of God as what is written in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. 
People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. God has certainly, most certainly, laid his hands upon Jordan and also Danny and Frankie in their home. And we pray that the Lord will continue to bless you and your home. We love you, and we pray for you often. We thank of you often, and we pray that the whole church family will, will agree with us in that. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, thank you again as we just commit this time, Lord, as Jordan has uh, now transitioned that this is, this is her home fully. It has been, Lord, and now uh, by the testimony of how they have lived their life and how Jordan has lived their life, that this is a family that is whole and is serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have something for you all before you. Frank, you might have to share your flowers with Danny. But <laughs> and Jordan, we got you a Bible. Yes, we love y'all. Love you, Pastor. Love you. Thank you. Yeah. Jordan, love you. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> depending on the kind of relationship you had with your father, fatherhood may... Uh, s sound comforting or, or troubling as a concept to you. It's, it is unfortunate that fatherhood is not always a positive uh, sounding word uh, in, the, in the ears of everyone. It's positive to me. Uh, my, my father has been uh, a guidepost, has been a strength to me in my life, has been there for me. He's not been a yes man. He's been the one that's also loved me enough to correct me. But for some, the word father is associated with feelings of resentment, pain, and fear. Memories of broken promises, neglect, and abuse. But God is the perfect father. It's not in my notes, but last night at the arcade, I heard a, uh, a lady probably in her late 20s, early 30s, who was, who was working there. And, and for whatever reason, maybe she had heard I was a pastor, I don't know, but it seemed like she was really trying to project her voice for, for it was just me and a couple people around that area but began to just say, uh, I am not going to raise my kids to, to believe in some fictionary Bible, you know, and some fairy tale and blah, 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 and just blasting. And, and I heard such hurt and anger. And, you know, at one time in my life, that would have got the, the debater in me war, warring, you know, well, let's just sit down and let me show you. But, you know, uh, as I was thinking about today, and I thought about a lot of the hurts and pains, sometimes we look at those who have been abused and neglected that if, if they're meek and mild, about it then we feel sympathy but if they're lashing out in anger we feel repulsed and I thought about that and I thought that that young lady who has moved on out of the home or there who knows what kind of home life she had but for whatever reason she is hurting and so we we often uh, people will debate about whether God is a good God or not but he truly is the perfect father the fatherhood of God is not patterned after the fatherhood of men, and that's where it messes a lot of people up because if their example on earth was bad, then it makes it hard for them to see God as a, a good father. Instead, earthly fathers are to relate their, to their children as God relates to his children. God's word points us to his role as our father. In Psalm 68, verse 5, it says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. 
where he inhabits, what his habitation is all about, being a father to the fatherless, a protector of widows. And Psalms 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. In Psalms 27.10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. That's something that the world needs to hear because so many are hurting and acting out because they feel abandoned, they feel lonely, they feel like no one cares, but yet because they can't see God in front of their face, they, they fear to even read his word and possibly connect and, and find out that there is someone, there is someone greater than any earthly father could be, any earthly mother who loves them. Are we born into God's family? No, we are adopted. You see, adoption is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. We see in Matthew 6, uh, verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Romans eight fifteen, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. <coughs> and Abba is an Aramaic term, for father that conveys a sense of closeness like the english term daddy it connotates tenderness dependence and a relationship free of fear and anxiety when we sing songs and we say abba father we're really saying daddy <coughs> excuse me i'm sorry i remember uh when pastor jim passed and i had uh, uh the time just following that was some of the most broken brokenness that i'd had in my life and that i was just hurting so bad that i go and try to go to work and on my lunch breaks, I go out and just have to find a, I pull into a shade, under a shade tree in some parking lot and just sob for an hour. And I go back, I didn't care about eating, I didn't care anything else, just my heart was so broken uh, at the passing of, of my best friend and pastor, Jim Severn. And I remember calling my dad, and I've always said dad, even at a young age, I said dad. I, I can't remember when I ever said daddy. But I remember calling my dad, now into my 30s with kids of my own and just begin to sob and say daddy I just need to talk to you I remember that th those words came out of deep despair and anguish and a need for that strength that I knew he had for that love and that tenderness and that care that he had that that the only way to express that for him to signal him was not to give some big explanation about what I needed from him but I knew that word daddy would catch his attention and it just came out naturally John 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, adoption takes place when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3, 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. See, I always wondered, and, and maybe you've wondered this, why it took Jesus coming to earth to die for our sins to make our relationship right with God. I see, I'm... I'm an optimist in some ways and a pessimist in others, but I always like to weigh options. I'm thinking options, God. You have so many options. Why did it take that? Why did it take him coming? It, it is, and, and how does this allow us to be adopted into God's family? Is it all metaphors? Is this, is this just some way of describing something that we'll, we just can't understand? Is it symbolism only? Then as I prepared for this sermon, I discovered something that was right there in front of me all along, and I love these moments where maybe I'm catching on later than you. I don't know. 
But I love when the word jumps out to me in a way, and I just see a connection. There's like something that the Holy Spirit's pointing to me. And as I prepared for this, I realized the answer was there all along, and it was Joseph and Mary was the answer, but especially Joseph. See, when Jesus was born, he was fully God and fully man, but keep in mind, Joseph had no contribution there before, before Jesus coming to birth. Joseph was being asked to adopt the Son of God. Because by all uh, natural intense purposes, Mary was, was it was going to be that they were going to be married. And in that time, as you know, I mean, it was a bad deal to have your, your uh, you know, her be pregnant before marriage, and especially it wasn't yours. So in, a, in effect, Joseph was being asked to adopt Jesus, the Son of God. Fully God and fully man. Joseph and Mary, in a sense, had to be, come to terms with adopting God's son, and it was a supernatural adoption. God placed his one and only son in the adoptive care of Mary and Joseph. Ponder that for a moment. God says, I'm going to take my son, my one and only son, I'm going to put him in your adoptive care. You have no dominion to make him appear. To, you had no dominion to be able to create him. You had no power to make this happen. It was God placing his son into the adoptive care of Mary and Joseph. This was a milestone in that man, get this, I want you all to hear this and think about this for a minute. Man was finally caring for God the same way God had always cared for man. The nurturing of the mother and father to baby Jesus. Every need, anticipating needs when the baby can't say, I need this, but you have to figure it out and know. God's all-knowing care where he sometimes does things for us that we don't even know we need. Or he does things that we think we don't need, but he knows we need. This was an opportunity for God to connect with man in a way that had never been done before. Even in the creation of man. It's by the release of God's son into the care of man, but that wasn't the only cost. That wasn't what paid for sin, mind you. But it was the the road to the relationship it was the avenue to create a relationship with man that god had not had in that way before the price was paid on the cross and there was an adoption that took place that paved the way for the adoption into god's family just like everything else jesus led the way by example Jesus went and said, I will be adopted so that you will understand later when I tell you that you can be adopted through my blood on the cross into the family of God. You see, up until Jesus was born a baby human, we were God's creation, not family. Did you think about that? We were created out of the dust of the earth and, and Eve taken from the rib of Adam, but yet that was by the handwork of God taking creation and making another creation. And so we wonder why he said the children of Israel, he said they were his chosen people, and he called them children of Israel, but yet they were still creation. But God's desire was for all of us to be family. The true adoption story. Generations could carry on curses brought on by sins of their forefathers, and we see this in other nations, we see in our own nations, that as unfair as it seems, sometimes children are, are born into the sins of their fathers and they 
pay the price for those sins. And we hear in the word about generational curses and those things. We see what happened with Cain when he was banished and that go, went on. We see later after Noah and, and whole tribes that would disobey God and then the consequence of that. And so we look at these, these children who are in these situations and say, how is that fair? How can a loving God let them uh, deal with that? Well, you see, God answered to that because he created the church. Jesus died on the cross for sins so that we could be adopted in the family. And then once you're in the family, your job's not done. There's more adoption to take place. And so God knew that those sins of those fathers, those sins of those nations would impact families. And there'd be situations where there'd be abuse and there'd be heartache. And those children would be enduring things that they didn't bring on themselves. They didn't deserve. But God made the way and it was the church. It's for us to reach out, for us to be the ones to go into the highways and byways and rescue those. And, and even more so, God's, Jesus' blood was for those parents to be able to repent and turn from the ways and for the family to be made whole. But if they make the choice not to turn, not to accept that repentance, then the church and Jesus as the church is their hope. See, adoption proves that God loves us. Matthew 10, 29-31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God values our lives. There's privileges when you are adopted into a family. Our Heavenly Father takes care of our needs. Matthew 6, 32. For the Gentiles seek after all things, and your Heavenly Father knows that all that you need. Matthew 7, 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's what I want to shake some people and say. You're, you're saying that God is, is a, a fairy tale, that the Bible's not worth it, that your parents weren't Christians and they are good parents, and here the scripture tells you, you think your parents are good? Taste and see, God is greater than anything you could experience here. He is the ultimate Father. My two boys and, and, and Lily have all found that candy is good. They love to have candy, and, and it's not until we go to the dentist that we find out that candy's not all good. And so that's where mom and dad have to step in and say, you know what, those dental bills are expensive, and you only have so many teeth. So we have to take what you think is good away so that you may receive what's really good. And that's what we have to understand about our Heavenly Father. Sometimes he has to take away Therefore, for us to have what's truly good. In the story of adoption, many times you, 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 the child goes through wondering, well, well why were my parents, why, they look at it, why were my parents taken away from me? Why were my parents taken away? But see, that's where God steps in and says, if you only knew what I knew, if you only knew what I know could happen, then this is a rescue effort. And while you may love them because they are your natural parents, I have the parents for you. We even see in the story of the prodigal son where the son has left and he wants to come back not as a son, just as a servant. If I could just come back, he realizes things were so good back home. If I could even be a servant, it'd be better off than where I'm at. But does the father say, okay, well, I'll work you as an indentured servant for so long? No, he puts the coat around, he puts the ring on him and, and kills the fatted calf. The Bible, account, Bible in this account says, but while we were still a long way off, his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him 
was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This story pictured God's eagerness to forgive. He is there, ready to forgive. And this points us to that our Heavenly Father has given us an inheritance. He's also given us an inheritance. Galatians 4, 7. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17. There's a bumper sticker I've seen that, said, that reads, I'm spending my children's inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 14 says, An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. No one can spend this inheritance. Sometimes we have childish questions, even as adults, when we ask, why does God give his children so many rules? Many times we can be like rebellious children, saying, why do I need all these rules? Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand, Isaiah 64, 8. God made us and knows what's best for us. As many say, Father knows best. So why do fathers have rules? It's to protect their children and to help their children prosper. There's, in Arkansas, we have some of the most curvy roads that you'll find anywhere. In fact, I think one of them still rated one of the most, 10 most dangerous roads in, in the U.S. But yet, we'll see those guardrails, right? And you see somewhere they've been tested. They've been bent a little. They've been marred up. You see the skid marks towards them. But you see, many times we, we see people, they'll fall asleep, they'll hit those guardrails, and how much sense would it make for them to get out and kick that guardrail and say, stupid guardrail, you scratched my car, while they're standing next to a 300-foot cliff. You see, fathers have these rules because they know it's best. Sometimes we get scraped, sometimes we hit them and they're hard, and sometimes we don't always understand what happened that got us there. But in the end, the guardrail that our father puts there is what protects us. We need to remember that God can always bring something good out of our pain. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. When we don't understand, God asks his children to trust him. We look at another scripture that says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. You see, mirrors in that day were just polished metal. They weren't real good like the mirrors we have now. They could only give an imperfect reflection. And then it goes on to say, Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully as I am fully known. This is God saying to us, is, you've got to have faith in me. You may not see perfectly right now why I do the things I do. You may not see the reflection perfectly of what I'm trying to create you to be. But when you trust me, when you have faith in me, that one day when we are face to face, when you see me face to face, you will understand why I did those things, why I wanted you to be who you are. When we don't understand, God asks his children to trust him. We also uh, hear a quote, not from the Bible, but it says, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. 
But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. <laughs> that was Mark Twain. Do you want to become a member of God's family? See, the awesome thing about adoption is, is that it's a gift offered. It's not one often requested, it's a gift offered. You see, on the other side of that, the parents, and even children at a young age sometimes realize, and they're very quick to realize, this is a lot for a parent to take on. If it's not your birth children, this is, this is something being offered as a gift. And so, as Christians, many times we try to work for our salvation. We try to, to do the very opposite of what adoption is all about. We try to make ourselves good enough to be accepted, and that's not what adoption is. True adoption in the way God meant it to be was it's a gift offered. You just have to accept. And the love and the, and the things that come from that and the benefits of being in that family, the family of God, are beyond imagination. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I just come to you today as we uh, close this service, this Father's Day service. And God, I'm thankful for the opportunity today to focus on something that is, is all about your heart, Lord, and that is adoption. God, there may be someone here today who, who has put on the face, but Lord, they don't feel the relationship because they've not truly accepted the gift of adoption into your family. So right now, as every head is bowed and eye is closed, I want to give that opportunity, Lord, to that person to, to not to me, not to signify to me, but by raising their hand, signify to you that they want to be adopted into your family. If that's you this morning, I just ask you, raise your hand up shortly so I can pray for you. Praise God. I, I trust and pray that we have all made that decision. And for us who have made that decision, the challenge today would be that we truly fall in love with the Father who adopted us unconditionally. In fact, sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross to ensure that adoption takes place. Commit this week to spending time with him, showing him you love him through, through conversation, through worship, through prayer. Give him your all. The family benefits are well worth it. Amen.